You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I'm Bill Powers, and this is Mining Stock Education. Thank you for tuning in. In today's show, we're going to be speaking with professional trader Nick Santiago of InTheMoneyStocks.com to find out where he is seeing the best trades in the markets. But first, today's show is brought to you by Luminex Resources. When I spoke with mining entrepreneur Ross Beatty about a month ago, he said he would be buying this stock all day long if he could, but he already owns just shy of 20% of the company. This week, Luminex put out more excellent drill results at the company's Condor project of 21 meters of 4.26 grams per ton gold. So the Condor project, which is already 5 million ounces, over 5 million ounces, just continues to grow. Luminex also has two other projects in which tier one majors are spending up to US 100 million to advance. Learn more about the company at luminexresources.com and the ticker symbol in Toronto is LR. And in New York, you can find it under the ticker L-U-M-I-F. Well, Nick, uh, welcome back to the show. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on how you are trading these markets. Perhaps we could start off with the precious metal and mining sector. Are you in any trades that relates to the precious metals or the gold stocks? Yes, I have the SLV right now, which is a silver ETF. Um, It kind of reflects silver prices. Um, so I, I do hold that one right now. Um, I think the last time I was on your program, I had GDX and we made some really, really good money on that. I think it was 18 plus percent. Uh, but I am out of that now and I'm actually looking for uh, gold to pull back here and consolidate a bit for a while. But I like silver right now. The silver chart pattern, especially the SLV or spot silver, um, looks very, very good. In fact, when I look at um, Silver futures, I, I think they're headed up to $17. The pattern right now is doing everything I like to see it do, which is really uh, consolidate sideways uh, around that $15 area. And as long as it does that, um, it should make a pretty good uh, move up to around 17 in the near-term future. And do you play that with call options or you buy the ETF outright? That one, I bought the ETF outright, SLV. And um, I get, I've been in this for you know a, a little while. I'll give you guys the exact date on this. I got in on the 21st of April at 13.82. It's trading at 14.13, but I, I'm looking for a move up to around 16 bucks. Do you ever buy in the money call options? I do. I do buy in the money call options if I'm looking for a quick trade. Um, so I will do that um, because if you buy in the money, you're going to get a reaction on every move. If you buy out of the money, you won't um, get a reaction right away until the the interest really kicks in there. But um, you know, it's a it's a cheaper way to play the option, though. When it comes to GDX, uh, there's many people who follow the technicals in the gold sector have said it's a big deal that we broke out of that seven year resistance at the 32 level. Uh, one gentleman I spoke to recently, a friend of mine, said that he doesn't see resistance again until the 50 level. Uh, do you have any insights you could share about your analysis of GDX? Yeah, so I trade this a lot. In fact, I've taken really um, two trades on this this year. Uh, both for really, really good gains. Um, one was in, in March. Uh, the latest one was in March. And then we did another one in March on the 16th. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I've made really, really good money this year in GDX, uh, upward of around, you know, over close to 30%. Um, when I look at it, though, I have to say right now, um, he's right. There, you, you can go higher. And, and the getting above the 32 was very good. But there's still a lot of resistance. And how I could show you this, if you just pull up a monthly chart 
and you go back to April of 2013, that's how far back you got to look. Um, you're going to see the month of April in 2013 was a wide range down bar. Um, we really had a big fall there. I think the high was around 37.88. We winded up closing at around 30 and we traded down to around 27 and a quarter. Um, if you look at that wide range red bar, it's going to take a lot of energy to get back through there. So um, anywhere where we are now, 33 to 35 is a ton of resistance at the moment. The good thing is if you take a look at, say, a daily chart of GDX or even a weekly, you're going to see that we're pausing. We're just going sideways now. And that is healthy. That's what you want to see. You want to see probably a month of that or maybe even a little bit more. Then you really could see gold miners really go a lot higher down the road. At the moment, um, I think we're in a little bit of what we call a stall. And, and that's good. We don't want to see anything ever go parabolic because if it does – then honestly, we're going to stall out. Another thing you could do too, and notice resistance uh, right where we are currently, is if you take the pivot high of gold, a lot of people don't realize gold traded, believe it or not, in 2000, uh, GDX, I should say, traded in 2011 uh, in September as high as uh, $67, $66.98, I believe, was the pivot high. And if you put um, a FIB retrace to the low pivot, Going back to uh, January of 2016, that low was 1240. You're going to notice that exactly where we are right now, 3325, 3324, where the GDX is trading, is what we call a 3A2 retracement. So we know we have a lot of resistance here. And then when you combine it with that April, 2000, April 2013 sell-off bar, you know, you're hitting a wall right now. And that's why we're seeing... Uh, the GDX back off. And that's why I'm not in it at the moment. Nick, what do you say to people that say technical analysis is nothing but, um, you know, gibberish or voodoo? I've gotten that response in some of the comments of some of uh, my YouTube videos. Yeah, I, I actually like hearing that. Um, so I, I think in my life, I've, I've outperformed every fundamental trader there is. And all my technical friends have done the same. So um, for me, it's all about money flow. I mean, we could listen to fundamentals to a blue in the face and I'm not discarding that fundamentals can't eventually come true. Um, there's a lot of traders that I know, uh, back, uh, you know, many, many years that use fundamental analysis. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Many of them were telling me the semiconductors, they would never be in them because the fundamentals are so bad, but yet the semiconductors continue to rise. So Price action for me is what's important. Um, I, I don't care so much about the news. I just care about the money flow. And that's what, you know, we're in this business to make money ultimately, not to, you know, be right or wrong on what somebody's earnings per share is going to be or um, something fundamental or book value. I could care less about that stuff. I haven't looked at a PE ratio in over 25 years. So um, I couldn't tell you a P ratio of any company right now. I could say it's probably high, it's probably low, but I couldn't tell you what it is because I just don't look at that stuff. So it's money flow, but I like when people don't want to use it because that makes, you know, you have to have two, two, two coins to make a two side. There's always two sides of a coin. You have to have uh, people buying and selling for certain reasons, and that's what makes a market. What about the people uh, that point out and their argument is, well, technical analysis is not objective. You know, you have science. You could give data to two scientists, and each of them could come to different conclusions. So do you consider technical analysis more to be an art that you kind of have to learn how to interpret the data? Um, 
there's a little bit of an art form to it because of you see the patterns repeating. But remember, the pat the patterns are nothing more than footprint of human nature. So you know, just I'll give you a perfect example. If you see a stock go up and then it goes sideways, um, what is it doing there? It's consolidating that up move right into a resistance level, and it's looking to go higher. So I mean, you know, it's just recognizing the footprint. You know, I always tell the story uh, back a long time ago. One of my mentors is W. D. Gann, and he was a legendary trader. And I I probably know more about him than than most people do. But one thing he used to say is that. Charts have been around long before people because animals, um, when they go hunting for another animal, what do they do? They look at the footprints, the tracks, the sniffing, um, you know, the fur of the animal that he left along and they go find the lair or the den and, you know, the tiger is able to go attack, you know, a, a smaller animal. I mean, so, you know, people, the caveman started to do that as well. So, you know, charts have been around forever and, um, you know, just maybe in a more crude form than you know, looking at it in, in a digital format like we do today. But, I mean, charts will, will lead you to where you need to be. They're not perfect, but the good thing about it is if we break certain levels, we know we're wrong and we, we just exit the position and take the loss. Um, that, that's how you have to do it. But a lot of people can't do that. You know, most people get into a stock, they can never, ever get out or admit they're wrong. And that's where ego comes in. I always say ego means edging God out. Um, try not to have an ego in this business because it will eat you alive. Good point, and thanks for addressing that, Nick. I appreciate it. Other than the GDX or the GDXJ, are there any other gold or silver mining ETFs that you trade? Um, those are predominantly um, the, the, the vehicles I use. Sometimes it is the uh, I'll use the IAU as well, which is the iShares Comex Gold Trust. Um, you know that that's also a, a little bit of a cheaper way to play it, just because. It's it's a lot less expensive um, than the GDX, so that's I use that sometimes, and then I'll I'll trade the gold miners themselves. I you know Newmont, um, Agnico Eagle, um, I've traded this KL now, which is uh, Kirk Kirk Lake uh, Kirkland uh, Lake Gold, you know, and I you know I'll trade all of those Barrick, which is G O L D. So all of these names um, are, are good vehicles as well, and. Um, Newmont, though, is, is probably my favorite. So oil last week went negative $40. Uh, have you made any trades around this? And what are some good trades uh, regarding oil that you see right now? Well, right now, I, I do own USO call options um, out to, to uh, October, the $5 strike. So that'll be adjusted now because it looks like the USO did an eight for one reverse split today. Um, which is typical with these uh, ETFs. But again, I did it via the call options because I really didn't trust the oil market. And, you know, with the economy being shut down for the most part, oil um, has definitely lagged. And think about it, nobody's using jet fuel, nobody's driving their cars. Uh, it's understandable. And we really had nowhere, no place to store crude oil. And obviously going negative, that's something I've never seen before. So it's a first for me. But I, I do believe if the economy starts to pick up, We'll see oil start to move higher. In fact, today, um, you know, we got crude oil up about 31% on the June contract. So that's trading at around $16. That's a good sign to see. Um, I, I don't see oil going back to 60 or something, but, you know, a, maybe a move to $30 is certainly a possibility by the fall. What other trades are you seeing around the Federal Reserve's actions in the markets? Well, you know, the Fed is doing QE unlimited, and um, basically this quantitative easing really trumps the last uh, quantitative, all of the quantitative easing programs that they've done prior. So um, at the moment, that's why I'm, I'm actually bullish the markets, because 
when I look at the money flow or the liquidity that's been put into the system, it's it's pretty, it's it, it's it's pretty incredible. It, it's something that we've never seen before. So the Fed has pulled out all the stops here, and um, they've injected a lot of liquidity. The problem will come when they have to pull it back, and that will happen at some point. So, you know, right now um, the liquidity is plentiful. Um, find good chart patterns. I think the market still has higher to go, um, and that's all due to the Fed. I have no idea what they're going to say today. Um, they have lots of different programs going on. They're even buying ETFs now. So, um, you know, people should be aware of that. Um, I know that they're buying uh, corporate uh, bonds as well. So, um, you know, they're, they're really in the market and, and picking up everything. But the real problem will come when they, when they need to pull back that, uh, that liquidity, and that will happen, um, you know, in, in the next couple of years. Nick, you have experience as a stockbroker. So even as you look at the general market, you have to employ somewhat of a fundamental analysis as well, right? Not just charting. Well, to to, to tell you the truth, I, I wasn't a great um, story. As a stockbroker, you're a storyteller. You get on the telephone and you pitch your next great stock and you tell them all the reasons why the stock is going to go higher and why they should buy it. I wasn't very good at that. What I used to do is I used to get a guy on the telephone and say, hey, can you pull up uh, – you're in front of your computer. Can you pull up your chart? Uh, see when this pattern does this, this is what happens. Look at this pattern over here on this chart. This is what's going to happen. And that's kind of, kind of how I built my business, believe it or not. It wasn't, I wasn't very good at telling everybody about the next great drug that's going to cure cancer. And, um, you know, there are some good stockbrokers out there. The best stockbrokers that I know, they're all looking at charts every day. So, um, even though they may have to tell a story to get somebody in the door and do business with them, uh, the best stockbrokers are, are are really looking at charts. Cattle futures have tanked down to the 2008 uh, bottom. Uh, I saw an article on Zero Hedge recently. Are you looking at cattle futures or anything related to our food supply? No, I, I know that we're, there is a there's a lot of stories coming out right now regarding the food supply. I think it's all overhyped at this point in time. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I honestly. Uh, I, I just um, I don't really trade cattle um, for for commodities. For me, it's it's always been more so gold. Um, from time to time, lumber, but it really um, I haven't really tracked the cattle market uh, that closely. Do you have any speculative speculative trades around earnings seasons? Well, my theory is I try to avoid earnings season. So what I do is um, like right now. I'm holding um, a few positions here. Um, I got into recently JBL, which is Jabel Circuit, because earnings have already passed. And, and that's a stock I'm right now up about 16% on since Friday. Um, but that that's a trade I just put on because they have no earnings. So I, I'm really looking forward to this week passing so I could get involved in some more equities. But I don't like to trade the earnings announcements because I don't have an edge in the market. Um, anything can happen on on the earnings announcement. So, for instance, Google today uh, reported earnings last night. The stock's up $106 today um, after a big sell-off yesterday. So, you know, if you look at that chart, it was telling me it should go up. But, you know, think about yesterday, Google uh, selling off from, you know, a high of 284 down to a close of around 1284 uh, uh, high to 1230 low, and then today it pops 100 bucks. You know, I just don't have an edge because – um, these markets can do anything during earnings. I like to wait till after the earnings announcement has come out, and then um, hopefully I'll get a retrace play, or um, I could just wait a couple of days and then let the dust settle and then get involved in the equity. What about uh, the economic recovery? Some people like me don't see a V-shaped. Others do see a V-shaped recovery. 
What are your thoughts here and what trades might you play coming out of this? So I, I've been bullish really since mid-March. Um, around um, the 21st, I, I started to get – around the 20th, uh, 19th, 20th, I started to get very bullish the market. And um, I, w- I, was, I was correct and I thought the markets would, would have put in a, a bottom there. Now we're going to come into – um, big resistance, a bit higher. We still have more to go on the upside, in my opinion. Um, so I'm watching the charts, monitoring them very carefully. But at some point, we'll we'll hit a stall pattern. And when I say that is, you know, the markets will have to digest these gains. Um, and and you'll notice that will happen when everybody starts to get bullish. Right now, everybody's still bearish this market. So um, I, that's why I think there's more upside to go. And uh, partly. But the charts are telling me there's more upside as well. Um, once everybody starts to get on board, though, I'll, I'll be reversing course. Um, but at the moment, you got tons of liquidity by the central bankers. Um, you have a lot of stimulus here uh, that was put in this market by the Congress and, and the president. And, um, you know, we just have to respect that. And right now, the charts are still telling me we have a bit more upside. But once once I get a good signal to turn and reverse course will do it. Nick, before you go, how do you determine your position sizing for a trade? Yeah, this is one of the most important things, and I'm glad you're asking this because I find this um, pretty important for a lot of, especially new traders. So legendary WD Gann and uh, Jesse Livermore, they were friends, and, and the way they said it to me, and this is what I do personally, is when I take a swing trade, and not for options, this is just for swing trades when I own a stock outright, I like to take roughly around 10%. Sometimes I'll go a little bit more, 15 maybe, but generally each position I like to take around 10% of my swing trading account in those positions. So, um, you know, it gives me a fair amount of exposure and um, I always have liquidity to get into another position. Another rule I follow is I never like to be in more than six or seven stocks at one time because it becomes a lot to monitor those names and I like to go over them each and every day uh, very thoroughly. So uh, that's what I, I, I do personally. Now, if you're going to get into an option, I always tell traders, if you're new, you want to stick with 1% to 3% of your account. If you're you know savvy, you can go a little bit higher than that, 3 to 5%. But again, options are much, much more risky. Sometimes options can expire worthless. I have a losing option right now with USO. So, um, you know, and I have the October $5 strike. So um, again, uh, when, whenever you get into options, you know, just realize, uh, you know, you're playing with time there and if time goes against you, you know, you could lose your premium that you paid for that option. So I always go with a, a much lower, um, a much lower percentage basis before getting into it. And I think that has, uh, that strategy has worked really well. If you'd like to learn more about Nick's strategy, go to inthemoneystocks.com. You can also follow Nick on Twitter at NickSantiago01, NickSantiago01. Nick, as always, I appreciate your insights. Thanks for coming on today's show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances 
uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns, as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.